I want to take some time to shout out KD. I'm sorry to see something like that happen to such a good person, a guy who really, truly loves the game. Him performing so well and then going down with an injury is just very unfortunate. Things like that shouldn't happen to good people, but it's a part of our game. To cheer on someone who's going through a brutal injury, who is arguably the best player in the game right now, to, to cheer at him you know, as he suffers on the court, and it's just despicable. I think the Warriors definitely took that as disrespect as they should, and that motivated them even more. To see that they were down late in the game and they rallied back just kind of shows you their mentality and how they're never out of game, as Clay said before, but also what happens when you really motivate a champion. Welcome to the Scott Shields episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 62. I'm currently in Beijing, China. I have started the CJ McCollum Leaning Tour. This is my second year touring China. We've hit five cities already. Still a lot more cities to explore, to interact with fans in, and looking forward to the opportunity to continue to build the brand and be exposed to you know different culture, different foods. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been exhausting. Working out 6, 7 a.m. and then touring all day. But as I like to say, this is the life I chose, and I'm glad I chose it. Without further ado, I want to welcome Jordan Schultz to the Pull-Up Pod. As always, Jordan, how's life back in the States? I know you said you're opening up some Pinot in my honor. I do appreciate that. I actually had a lot of Pinot last night, um, and it helped me sleep really well. Well, life in the States is is really good. Um, just getting ready for the draft and uh, making sure that you know I'm all prepared and trying to get as much news out as possible. And I must say that... You you know you say that this is the life he chose, but if I would have said to a young CJ McCollum, he's going to play in the NBA. That's one thing, but to be traveling across the world in China for three weeks on a on a on a tour is a whole nother deal. How do you how do you feel? Like, are you enjoying this? I know it's work, but are you able to enjoy the moment and be around such? I mean, obviously, incredible fans. Yeah, I definitely enjoy it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It is still work. Um, because I have to, you know, go from city to city. I have to interact with fans, do mall appearances, you know, photo shoots, interviews, things of that nature. But I definitely feel like it's also fun because you get to explore so many different countries. You get to see so many different things. And obviously basketball allows you to do a lot of things you wouldn't normally be able to do. So this life chose me and I chose this life and I'm thankful for it. And I still try to put my put my time in the gym, in the weight room, and really take advantage of my time and my resources. But I also try to sit back and really enjoy what's happening. I know it's it's not their national sport per se, but do you feel like it's bigger than it is in the U.S. in some ways? I feel like they definitely enjoy the game more um, in certain parts of the country because they're not, or <laughs> certain parts of the province because they're not as exposed to it uh, as we are in terms of seeing NBA players, being around NBA players the dedication to have to, you know, watch games at 6, 7 a.m., sometimes 4 a.m., depending on if it's uh, Pacific time or Eastern time, just kind of shows you how dedicated they truly, truly are. So I know you're enjoying your time and you're trying to take it all in. Is it safe to say that despite basketball not being China's national sport per se, that that in some places in China, basketball is is more prevalent than even the U.S.? I think in some places it's definitely close to being more prevalent because of the fact that we're so far removed from Asia. You know, a lot of players don't come here. Now more players are starting to come to Asia. More players are starting to take tours, interact with fans, and realizing how many 
dedicated, loyal fans there are here. Um, as I always like to say, there are more basketball fans in China than there are people in the United States just because of the population and how big it is. And the game is such a growing sport. Uh, they're always trying to figure out ways to evolve, figuring out ways to interact and engage with us as NBA players. And I think that their dedication shows in the time zone difference, you know, how late they have to stay up to watch games, you know, uh, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., depending on if it's specific time, especially for those Christmas games and, you know, noon to Eastern. Those are those are different times based on the time zone. Obviously, it's 12 hours from, from the East Coast, 15 from the West. And it just kind of shows you how much they really, truly value and love our game. But obviously, you know, the fans in the United States and in Canada are, are huge as well. See, it's interesting because we've seen um, Asia become such a massive market for the league and for basketball as a whole, specifically in China and Japan. But with China, given the population, um, have you had like the craze of people coming up to you? Because I've been noticing, you know, like on your on your Instagram posts, it seems like you're going to these events and there are thousands of people waiting just to see you. Um, has that been the norm in, in previous trips? And what have you noticed differently on this trip? There have definitely been a lot more fans than I've been accustomed to. On my trip in China last year, fans were packing out the malls, they were packing out the stores, but I think the the level of love and, and, and appreciation and support I'm getting this year is, is greater. I think that's part, two parts. First part is that we had a deeper playoff run, so they were able to be exposed to our team, be more exposed to my game, how I play, and and how I've impacted the NBA. And then the second part is being with the Chinese brand in Li Ning for two years now. They've been able to promote me throughout China. They've been able to push, you know, my story and, and kind of explain, you know, what type of player I am, what type of person I am. So it's definitely improved. There's thousands of fans at all the events. You know, we're, we're doing some launches on releasing shoes, colorways, clothes, things of that nature, and the response has been terrific. So... You're obviously not exactly uh, on the same time zone as the NBA Finals, but in case you haven't seen or heard, so it's 3-2, game six, Thursday night um, in the Bay. And just a couple tidbits from game five. Draymond Green says it's basically the biggest win they've ever had at Oracle, you know, one of them. Um, they are now coming home, as they have said, the Warrior players, to win for KD. And obviously it's the last game in Oracle history. And, and you have, you know, a fan base that I think feels like they are so invested in the fact that this is their final run in Oakland. I don't see any situation or scenario, really, that Golden State does not send this thing back to Toronto Game 7, even, even without Kevin. That is a very bold statement. I think there could be some truth to it based on what's going on right now with the Warriors. Obviously, Katie went down and... I want to take some time to shout out Kitty. You know, that's my guy. I'm I'm sorry to see something something like that happen to such a good person, a guy yeah, who really truly loves the game. Um it's it's not good for the game. It's not good for the NBA in general. You know, with the finals being such a highly contested game, everyone watching, everyone tuning in, him performing so well and then going down with an injury is just very unfortunate. And as as I told Rich the other day, um Things like that shouldn't happen to good people, but it's a part of our game. And Katie's such a such a amazing player and a guy who has you know extreme levels of work ethic and dedication that he'll be able to overcome this. And you know he'll be back 
and averaging 30 a game like Dominique did, you know, in no time. So I just wanted to shout out KD, man, praying for you and your family. I know this is a tough time and, you know, it's just a game to a lot of us um, in the league, but it's also a part of our life and, and something that is hard to go without. So just wanted to say that. But I think the Warriors at home should be favorites, you know, even though they don't have KD because of what's at stake, you know, last game in the Oracle, them playing for KD, um, understand that they're facing elimination. And I think that although they were the favorite coming in, that the pressure is now on the, the Raptors to close this out. You know, they have two games to win one game, and as it gets closer to game right. seven, as it gets closer to the series end, I think the pressure will mount. So they have to try to put them away as soon as possible and not, not allow it to be a one-possession game. First of all, great point about Kevin. Um, he, how would I explain this? He's one of those guys that because he's, because he cares what people think, he becomes vulnerable to the media. And I think the media has painted him so unbelievably unfair over the last four or five weeks um, in a way that they've really backed him into a corner. And, and I think just been brutally unfair in, in a way that is so disappointing. But at the same time, he goes out and risks his you know, long-term future, his, his health, and he plays. And obviously, you know, now we, we see a torn ACL. Um, it's devastating. I think you saw how the league reacted, specifically the players, that they care as much as they do because they know how great a player he is and the kind of person he is. Um, and, I, and I think it's going to have a galvanizing effect on the Warriors. In fact, I thought after um, he got hurt, when Raptors fans, and I'm sure you saw this, they were cheering. It was a terrible sight. Uh, I, I, I thought it galvanized the Warriors in that game, and I wonder how much they can come together now moving forward, knowing that now they really are playing for Kevin. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no room for that type of behavior in our game, and obviously you want your team to win, but to to cheer on someone who's going through a brutal injury who is arguably one of the best players that ever played a game, arguably the best player in the game right now, to, to cheer at him, you know, as he suffers on the court, and, and it's just despicable. And I think that the... The majority of rappers fans are thrown into that bunch. And I think that there are some great passionate fans who are respectful. And I think a few people can really, yeah. you know, tamper with and dilute a great fan base. So it was that was just that was terrible. But I think I think the Warriors definitely took this took that as disrespect as they should and that motivated them even more. You look you look at the game and how it played out and I was actually working out during the game, so I was getting updates, you know, in between sets, like when I was shooting free throws and kind of resting. And um, to see that they were down, you know, six late in the game and they rallied back just kind of shows you their mentality and how they're never out of game, as Clay said before. But also what happens when you really motivate a champion? You never want to motivate a champion and, you know, piss them off. So when they got down six, like, okay, I picked the Warriors before the series. I picked them. When they were down 3-1, I, I said they were going to win game five. And I still think, and I know I'm getting killed on this, I still think they're going to win the series. So that being said, um, I think they found something with pick and roll because Steve Kerr doesn't run a lot of pick and roll. And yet the Warriors are the second best team in terms of efficiency uh, when they run it this season. And when you give Steph the kind of room that they gave him, spread pick and roll, allowing him to basically Draymond or even Clay to come set a slip, a slip screen, uh, you know, way, way out, like 35, 40 feet by the half court line. 
it allows Steph to have that much more room. And obviously, it's a lot easier to run it when Kevin Durant's on the floor because he's he can help space the floor or he can just handle the ball himself. But I, I thought Golden State found something there. Uh, and then when Kawhi was hounding, um, when Kawhi was hounding Clay, then like on that last play when when he ended up hitting a three, then Dre just you know found him or Dre would set a screen that maybe wasn't necessarily called. It was just a read he would make. They were finding basically by spreading Toronto out, they were finding a little bit more. I don't know if that's sustainable for 48 minutes without KD. I think a lot of it will be predicated on if Quinn Cook can make shots, if Demarcus can make shots, but at least they got something. And I and I, and and I don't know if the Warriors are. They're not a great defensive team without Kevin Durant, but the way that Clay guarded Kawhi down the stretch, especially those last really two possessions, was excellent. So I don't know. I I guess my much my long winded way of saying I still think the Warriors are in a, a pretty good spot here. I think they're in a good spot to potentially get a win at home, but I don't see Kawhi losing three games in a row to close out a series because the workload is going to be so heavy on Clay. The workload is going to be so heavy on Steph to contribute and produce. It's been a long series for them already, you know, having to play so many minutes, having to do so much. The usage rate is crazy. Steph scored 47 um, two games ago, and you could see the toll it kind of took on him because the next game he was coming up a little short. And as you said before, you picked the Warriors to win it. I picked the Warriors to win it in six. Um, maybe I was just drinking the Kool-Aid too much, or maybe I just underestimated the Raptors. There's a lot of things you could say about how well they've played. And, you know, even before KD got hurt in the regular season, which is completely different than the playoffs, obviously, but they dominated the Warriors in the regular season um, as well. And I think that their defense, their depth, their their veteran leadership of guys who have played in the playoffs and been battle-tested, I think ultimately it's probably going to be too much, but I, I think it does go seven. I think the Raptors win at home in game seven um, in dramatic fashion. I think the Warriors with their championship pedigree, what they're playing for, I think they have too much pride uh, to go out in a game six at home. The last time a game will ever be played in Oracle, I think they go out swinging, gun gun slanging, and I think Quinn Cook plays well, especially at home and enforces a game seven. Well, the pressure shifts so much to Toronto if – if they can't close it out, even though the Warriors were the favorite in the series, and and they might even be favorite in Game Seven, I think it'd probably be about a push. But um, the the pressure shifts dramatically to them, and you saw some of the breakdowns. You know, I mean, to be up six in the closing minutes of Game Five, a, a closeout game at home, and to not win is devastating. And you know, as as much as they can talk about, you know, keep staying the course and staying level-headed, and that's really been their approach all year, and I give them a ton of credit. At what point, and you've experienced this, where you don't put a team away and they come back, at what point do you start doubting yourself, even though you've had success against them? And and, and remember, to your point, see, they have now won, the Raptors have won three, all three games at Oracle this year, including a double-digit win when Kevin was in the lineup earlier in the season. So they have had success, but at what point do you start doubting yourselves? I don't think they're going to doubt themselves because – of the underdog mentality, you look at their roster, you look at their players, you know, how they've gotten to this point in their careers, you know, Kawhi, the amount of work he's put in to grow and become the player he is today, he seems fearless. Fred Van Fleet was undrafted and has carved out a great career and is, you know, a starting caliber guard. Pascal Siakam is another guy who's developed. I mean, they're playing with house money at this point. 
because of the path that they've had to take to get here. And I think that kind of shows you what type of character they have. So I don't, I don't question their desire. I'm not going to question their mentality or ability to perform under pressure. I think that they relish this opportunity to have two games to win one. They understand the importance of eliminating them as soon as possible because the longer you let it linger, the more chances you have of losing. But I think they don't get tight until game seven. If there's a game seven and it's close down the stretch, I think that's when both teams will be a little bit more tight because the NBA Finals is on the line. But the Warriors playing on the road would probably have the experience, you know, battle-tested. And as you said before, there's no pressure now. Um, They're supposed to lose being down 3-1. I don't know. Two teams have ever come back from it, and the Warriors are one of them. So in the back of their minds, they're they're just trying to force a game seven, and then it's house. They're playing with house money. Man, it's it's crazy that like the 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 Raptors though, you know, they, I just feel like they let the the opportunity of a lifetime slip away at home to now have to go back and win a third straight game at Oracle, where the Warriors during this these last five years have been the best home team in the league. It just feels like now, I mean, how, how can they go back? confident if it's 3-3 Toronto even though it's in their home even though it's on their home court I I just it just feels like it was a lot more than one lot it feels like it was a a mint it was their first really their first mental collapse of the playoffs I don't Toronto. I don't think they collapse I think they just had a couple breakdowns um Clay gets loose on a really on a dr- six points though with with limited time I, I don't think it I don't think it was that big of a deal honestly I think it was a game they should have won, a game they needed to win, but it's not the end of the world because there's still two games left to win one, and you know you're coming back to the crib for game seven in the event that you lose game six. So although it was a tough loss and would have been easier to have the parade with Kyle Lowry hitting the game winner, you think about how well the Warriors had to play to win this game. KD scores 11 in the first quarter. Steph has 23 by halftime. Clay hits seven threes. And they're still down six down the stretch. Cousins plays well, and they're still down six down the stretch and win because of defense, rotations. Draymond gets a fingertip block that causes Kyle to hit the side of the backboard at the end of the game. Everything had to go right for them to win, and they still barely won. So that that keeps me cautiously optimistic that you have to play extremely well. You, you're going to need Steph to play bananas, 30-plus. You're going to need Clay to play bananas, close to 30. You're going to need... Boogie to really defend well in the pick and roll and contribute offensively, and you're going to need role players to play well. That's a lot of ifs for the Warriors to win two out of three, two, uh, two out of two games. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, to your point, they go 20 of 42 from three, 48 percent. Um, Cousins was really good. You know, he he made some mistakes down the stretch and he missed free throws, but he was really good. He was a huge lift, and they had the emotional lift of having Kevin Durant, not only does he score 11 points in 12 minutes, is that what it was? That, But he he provides, obviously, a tremendous emotional lift. And then, But I still, I don't know. Like, the fact that, I guess it's almost ironic to me that the greatest scoring team we've ever seen, it comes down to a few, I guess, four or five defensive stops late and a subtle play by, by Draymond Green to go over, the to go high, uh, and not go low when Marcus Sauls tries to set a screen, and uh, and that's what ultimately affected Kyle Lowry's shot in the corner. I don't know if you if you saw that specifically, but it's just ironic because we talk about their offense. It's their defense really that's so important. And when Draymond decides that he's going to fight through Gasol, who's a big man, 
and he's going to go high and, and basically say to Kyle Lowry, you're going to have to shoot this with somebody flying at your at your shooting side where the ball's coming from. That I mean, I don't know if that was ultimately the difference, but it was a hell of a play by by Draymond. Uh, and, and then he also had that lefty hook, and he had a huge three when he was like 2 of 12 from three in the series. So, I mean, listen, Draymond Green, what can you say about him? He's He makes play after play, and defensively, he him and Clay were both tremendous uh, in Game 5. Yeah, you, you're right. Draymond's been the unsung hero. That lefty hook was insane. I'm not sure how he even made that, honestly. And the defensive plays he makes consistently are one of the reasons <laughs> looks so nasty, why they're so good. Too. He, like, really muscled it in. Yeah, that was... That was an interesting hook shot, but give him credit, man. He's a baller. He, he plays well <laughs> under pressure in big-time situations. He's hit big threes. When he's not making threes, he's yeah. gotten stops. When the team's not getting stops, he's done all the little things to put his team in position to be in this spot, and there's no reason why you know they won't do it at home and force a game seven unless Kawhi goes Kawhi again and sends a message to the rest of the league that, look, man, I'm not allowing this to even go seven games. I'm getting rid of them right now, just like he did uh, in games three and four when they got one. He said, bleep that. Let's get two. I think he sends a message tonight and really tries to put put this game away and this series away. Yeah, I wonder from a legacy standpoint if – would it hurt Kawhi's legacy, see, if – the Warriors end up winning this series, and he he couldn't close them out as well as he's played. Does it does it matter at all at this point? No, I, I think people some people would would judge him and, and talk about him, but Kawhi's legacy is already what it is. He's a first ballot Hall of right. Famer. He's already won Finals MVP. He's already won championships. He's he's who he is. We know who he is. He's a guy who's going to go out there and play both sides of the ball. He can score at all three levels. He's the ultimate competitor. And he's gotten better each year. So that kind of shows you what type of person he is. So I don't think people will question his skill set and how good he is because he's good. Whether he wins the championship or not, he's an elite player, one of the best in the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to revisit the the Raptors fans um, really quickly because, you know, you, obviously you're a world away right now, but it's been a pretty significant story um, the last 48 hours because of how they responded to KD. Um, and it was so bad that Ibaka and Kyle Lowry, I think, they, they basically had to step in, see, and say, no, like, you, you got to, please don't do that. Please don't cheer. Um, have you ever been in a situation where, like, obviously you've gotten hurt where you saw someone cheering for you to be hurt or, or, or a teammate? Have you ever experienced that? Um, in college, there was some, I mean, you're dealing with college kids who are drunk at a game, but... I mean, I've heard the worst from fans, you know, even when I was on crutches going to games, you know, against Bucknell, certain teams on the road, people would yell things at me and make fun of me being hurt or, or yell D-League or say that's that's why you should have went pro, your career's over, stuff like that. And, I mean, it's, it's a sad part of the game, but I think Cuz hit it on the head. Like, they don't look at us as human beings. We're just little robots who play basketball who are elite players and – um, it's sad that, you know, a few rotten apples in that crowd, probably more than a few, um, reacted that way to him being hurt. And I commend the Raptors players for, you know, shutting that down because, you know, regardless of how bad you want to win, you don't want to win like that. You don't want to win 
when guys are getting hurt, you want to beat somebody at full strength as a competitor. You want to be able to compete against the best. And you never want to see one of your brothers go through something like that, especially in this situation. Like, I know KD, you know what I mean? You never want to see someone go through this because you know what it's like to be hurt, man. There's nothing There's nothing like it. It's a lonely state. It's tough. It's physically, mentally draining and demanding. And it challenges you. But the strong survive and when you have a great supporting cast around you with friends and family and people who care about you and truly do love you, it's easier to overcome it, but it's still hard. So, I mean, it's sick that those fans did that. And I don't want to categorize all Toronto fans because I've had some great interactions with right, right. With, with fans in Toronto. So it's not all of them. It's just a, a few bad bunches that did some things they shouldn't have done. So it's, it sucks, but right. Yeah, no, but that's, but that's exactly right. So, what I would say to your point about like robots, like it's it sounds funny, but it's not like so. This is why I got so up- upset on social media, and I think people respond. A lot of people, I seem like were in agreement, but some people were like, you know, how dare you categorize Raptors fans? I wasn't trying, and I'm not trying to categorize Raptors fans because I'm sure most of them didn't feel like that. But the at the end of the day, you know, it's like. I understand that these are multi-million dollar athletes and the stage is, is could not be bigger. But you're talking about human beings. And in the case of Kevin Durant, someone that um, is set to become a free agent, the free agent this summer. Um, and it's just it's just so unnecessary. It's, it's not what basketball is about. It's not what sports is about. Winning is one thing, but like you said, winning the right way. Um, how do fans, I guess, how do fans take take their love for their team too far. And given that you, you, you want to have passionate fans, what is the line for, for me, it's, it's that right there. It's, it's not wanting somebody to get injured, not cheering for someone to get injured and waving them off the floor, especially with the Achilles of all injuries. But what is the line for you? I think wanting your team to win is okay. I think talking about other players in an appropriate manner is okay. Just the obscene gestures, the disrespect to people about their family members, you know, taking it personal, name calling, things that you wouldn't do if we were walking on the street. Exactly. Right. Okay. That's that's what's not okay. If you wouldn't click me off in the middle of the street and, and tell me go F myself or um, throw beer on me or try to push me or yell things at my family members, if you wouldn't do that on the street, don't do it while I'm playing. That's all. And especially when someone gets hurt, it's just disrespectful because we put so much into this game. Want your team to win, cheer. You can even yell things, but just don't be disrespectful to the point of no return because we are human beings and these hands work. So if there's really a problem and when we see someone in the streets, the the attitude and the the way they look at us, their energy completely changes. Completely. No, they do work. I... I'm well aware. I um, I want you to put yourself before we wrap on the Chinese Polo Pod edition number one. I want to put. I want you to put yourself in your in, in Kevin Durant's position. Game Game Five uh, NBA Finals. Given the stakes, given the injury that he's coming back from, if you're medically cleared, the coaches say it's okay. It's your decision. Is there any doubt in your mind that you're playing? I mean, it's easy to to look at his situation hindsight. It's like 
when you get jumped or something happens and your friends say, if I was there, I would have helped you. Like, mm-hmm. would you have really helped me? Like, do I know? Like, right. it's it's a the ultimate hypothetical. But I think as a competitor and as a player, you always want to play. I've played regular season games hurt. So if you're asking me if I would play in an NBA Finals game injured, the answer is probably yes, especially if I got cleared, especially if I had outside doctors cleared, especially if I MRI'd it and the MRI said, CJ, you're good. It's completely healed. I'm... I'm Pretty sure that I would play, and in KD's case, like I don't knock him for playing. It's not his fault that he played. He did what he does as an athlete, as a competitor in the NBA Finals. But I think what Jalen Rose said is right and is valid. You should get multiple opinions. You should consult outside doctors. You should consult your family. You should make the decision that's best for yourself. And looking at this situation, if the Warriors were up 3-1, would Kevin Durant have played? Honestly. We both can answer exactly. that. Exactly. That's that. Then it's different. He would not have played. Being down one three made all the difference in the decision. The fact that he was cleared made all the difference in the decision. And I don't blame him for playing. And I said this to some friends the other day. He's supposed to want to play. Someone is supposed to hold him back or try to deter him. But it's up to him ultimately to make the decision. You look at what the Warriors did to Clay. Clay wanted to play. They held him out. They said no. You shouldn't play. There's a chance you could get a more severe injury. So it's not Kevin Durant's fault. Right. If anything, and I'm not blaming his circle, I'm not blaming people around him. If anything, the only way he doesn't play is if someone he really trusts, really confides in, tells him that he shouldn't play and he has to sit out. And I think and even in that event, he probably still would have played anyway because that's the type of competitor he is. That's the type of person he is. That's the type of player he is. So for me, I would have wanted to play. The only way I wouldn't have played is if my brother pulled me to the side and said, CJ, do not do this. Because he's the one that can really sway my decision-making process. I don't think anybody else could have dissuaded me if I was cleared to play. I, I talked to... Um... I was I was with Marshawn Lynch today, who's obviously another one of these like incredible competitors, and I asked him the same question, and he said before I could even finish, he said, "No, I'm playing." Like if it was a Super Bowl, he said no, and I said, "Well, what if it's an Achilles? What if it's an injury?" He said, "That's why he's Kevin Durant, and that's that's why I would play. It's the same thing. Like this is what I do." It's what you do, and you're cleared to do it, and it's the biggest stage ever, and you feel like at 60%, at 70%, you're still better than most players out there, and you know you can help your team win. This is what makes you great, see, or Marshawn or Kevin. You know, you're talking about the highest stage, the ultimate pinnacle, and and then, you know, we said the same thing. Like, if it was 3-1 Golden State, there's no way he plays. No, it's not no a question. Chance. But this is where we're at, and and— Prayers up, man. I, I, I'm I, sure he'll come back strong, and he's 30 years old. He's still a young man. He's got a lot of basketball left, but um, it is interesting to hear you say that it would be Eric, though, not not necessarily your mom or dad if they said, CJ, don't play. We really don't want you to play. Put it like this. My parents have told me not to play before in games, and I've gone and played in a regular season game. Wow. So if you ask me if I would sit out an NBA Finals game, man, it's no way. as a competitor— you're not, you're not going to. You're not going to sit out unless somebody physically forces you not to or somebody convinces you, literally convinces you, like, you can't do this. Right. Otherwise, you're going to do it. Like, it's easy for me to say that my brother could convince me, but in all honesty, he would literally have to fly out from Europe and come and be like, bro, you're not playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's the NBA finals and the doctors cleared you. Now, what, what, what I would do is what I've always done. When I get hurt, I get a second, I get a third opinion. 
And then I go with whoever's opinion I trust the most, and then I make my decision. But it's it's unfortunate. It, it happened. It's it's sad. And I mean, it's. I'm sure he doesn't regret playing. I'm sure in the back of his mind, he would probably do the same thing again because it's the NBA Finals and he's a competitor. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, just to close, Tony Parker retires, 18 years, first ballot Hall of Famer. Is there one TP memory for you that stands out, see? I think just playing against him. Man, he, he was a great player. I learned a lot from his game. I studied his game. I asked questions about his game, his mid-range, his floater. I've emulated a lot of his stuff, and I told him, I said, I'm a big fan of your game, I'm a big fan of your pace, how you play. And, you know, growing up when I played 2K, I played with the Spurs because of TP, because of Manu, because of Tim, because of how they played the system, how they moved it. It definitely affected me today, and I'm thankful that I was able to play against him, compete against him, and learn from him. All right, good deal. Once again, I want to thank all our listeners for tuning into the Pull Up Pod. As always, uh, time for me to head out. It's 8.40 a.m. China time. We're recording, getting things done for you guys. You know, Shout out to KD. Uh, praying for you, bro. I'll see you in New York when I get back to the city. Um, Shout out to the fans in China for for pulling up on me. We truly do appreciate it. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple, radio.com backslash pull up or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up.